good again to be in the house of the Lord. You can join in me with me in our text. We'll be looking at the 29th chapter of Jeremiah. I want to deal with about how we are celebrating this week, uh, you know, Independence Day. And I, I was thinking about how we can go to the parks and go and celebrate, you know, the fireworks and the 4th of July. And yet there's so much trouble going around. And so God kind of gave me a revelation of looking at what he called the exile to do in Babylon. And looking at that, highlighting um, to lift in your hearing that, that, that verse that we quote, we hear a quote, we know so very well because it's an aspiring text. That 11th verse of Jeremiah can make someone just feel good about no matter what's going on to know that God knows what he's doing. To know that God knows his thoughts or his plans for his people. And so when we can look around and say I may not know what's going on or how to handle it I know somebody that knows what he's doing. And since he knows what he's doing, he's pointed out to me, I have plans for your welfare, for your cheer, for you to have peace, uh, not calamity or destruction or evil or wickedness. No, I desire good for you. And what I like about he says, I have a future for you. And in this future, there's hope. Hope, not despair, not trials, not troubles, not doubt. Can I go there? Not sickness, not death. No, I have something that's alive in your future. And so God gave me this stirring title to come along and say, serving God in trying times. And then I got a subtitle there, Why Celebrate? Because God tells them who've been kicked out of their homeland, who was brought by Nebuchadnezzar because he wants his place. Nebuchadnezzar took the choice crops, y'all. He didn't take the leftovers. He took those who are wise, those who could add on to his kingdom. He brought them over so that they can live in his kingdom. Now, the, but the problem is that those who are still in Jerusalem and, and in Judah, they think they got it made. And then they have false prophets. Because somebody say false prophets. Telling them lies. You know, false means lies. So they got lying prophets telling lies to the people and they're saying, you better off than those who are in exile. I don't have that much time to deal with it, but if you go on, you're going to find out that it, back at home, there's going to be pestilence, there's going to be turmoil, there's going to be fast, but those in Babylon, God tells them to be fruitful and multiply. Fruitful and multiply, yet you know he says that when he's about to bless them. Thank you, Holy Ghost. This is not in my note. This just came to him right now. Because if you look in Genesis, did he not say to them, be fruitful and multiply, and he blessed them? Yeah. Did he not get no off the told them, be fruitful and multiply, and he blessed them? Yeah. 
He sees them in turmoil and exile, which he chose to put them in and told them to be fruitful and multiply. I just want to say this because the Bible says it. He says, and take wives. Just, 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 just want to make that clear. Husband, take wives. Raise children and give the sons to daughters and daughters to sons. All right, I'm moving on. And he made it clear to them how to be fruitful and multiply. He made it clear of how they should be married and live. I want to highlight here in this text about why I can celebrate and serve God in trying times. Because when you look in this 29th chapter of Jeremiah that comes from Jeremiah, who is in Jerusalem, he tells it to everybody. See the long list that he didn't leave nobody out to the smiths, uh, to the king, to the elders, to the priests, to the prophets, to everybody that's in foreign lands and nations. I want you to hear what the Lord is saying. This letter comes to encourage the exiles and even those few remaining in the land, uh, the promised land of the truth of God's words. And not to fall for the lies from the lying prophets who have come before them, who even try to chastise and try to quiet down Jeremiah. Matter of fact, they lined up against another prophet. Said the pre- I'm sorry, the priest is getting mad at him because he didn't tell Jeremiah to be quiet. I'm going to stick a pen here for a moment. I just want you to tell your neighbor, I won't be quiet about the Lord. That's why, you know, we get excited about Jeremiah. I said it was like fire. Shut up. Because he wanted to be quiet. He got tired of them messing with him. But he said his word is too good. I got to tell it. And, and look what he's telling them. He's not always, he has not always been giving them messages they wanted to hear. He was telling them the things they did not want to hear, but it was the truth. My mother used to say to me all this time, if the shoe fits, wear it. Took me a long time to understand that great truth she was giving, but I got it now. And so he's pointing out to them that though their state may be like a hardship upon them because of the lies of the enemy leading them astray. Y'all catch that? Their stay in Babylon became harder on them because listening to lies. Their stay in Babylon became harder upon them because of listening to lies. They told them this, that you're only, the prophet before the 28th chapter told them they're only going to be there two years. If I came to you and told you you're only going to be here for two years or five years later, nothing's changed. Will you not become frustrated? I tell you, in two years, you're going to be back home, but five years later, you're still in the same mess. Doing the same stuff that you do not want to do. Wouldn't that frustrate you? Instead of seeking peace, you sought after war. Why? Because you did not just choose to obey the king. You choose to obey yourself and made it harder on yourself. And that's why God had to change up the message and give it to Jeremiah. told him to tell him to what? To seek peace in the land and you will have what? Peace. This serves to show us that the people that God is in control, not these false prophets and the kings who are falling for lies and not listening to God's true prophet. This time, the false prophet give us, give us all kinds of lies that they have fallen for that leads the people to think that they will soon be delivered. 
And so why work if it's about to come? Why plant if I'm about to leave? Why invest in a, in a state, a country I'm not going to stay in? Why, why, why surrender to a king I'm not going to live under? These lies from this prophet pointed out to him, not only will he be punished, but everybody else like him be punished. This prophet dies some two months later after he hears from Jeremiah, you're going to die because of lies you have told. Look what God commands him in contrary to what this prophet tells him. Prophet tells him you're only going to be for two If you're only going to be somewhere for two years. That's like when you send your child off to college, you don't tell them to make that college their home. They don't, they don't buy a house there. They don't plant a garden there to take care and invest there. Say, I'm going to be here for a long, long time. Because when somebody was in college a long, long time, we did not uh, applaud them and congratulate them. We called them a career student. Say, that must be their job to go to school because I don't know. They're never going to graduate. Everybody asked me about one student that was at Hampton because he stayed there for about 10 years. They said, is he so-and-so still there? Yeah, he's still there. Yeah, he's still on that same major. What is that? Undecided. And so when those cannot make up their mind to do anything, they stay in funk forever. But yet when God told them how to make up their mind, said, look here, I want you to live there. He says, build houses to what? Dwell in, to live in. We are in a country that is, we call it the land of the free. But yet there's a lot of other free countries. But if you are in this land, you might as well make it yours. Look what he says to them. He says, build houses and plant gardens. Basically, he's saying to us, we don't necessarily plant gardens to eat after like we used to back in the day. We go to the supermarket now. But what he is saying is, build you a house and invest in the land. We, too, need to take an investment in our city. We, too, need to take an investment in our state. Take an investment in our country. Too many times people allow problems to rise up and say, it's not my problem. But when that problem comes on your doorstep, then all of a sudden you want to decide who can you blame. First person you need to look at is yourself. What did you do to stop it? What did you do to bring awareness to? So now that it's come to you, you want to blame everybody else. But when they came to you to be a part of it, you had nothing for them. God is telling them that you need to invest in the land. Look what else he commands them. By investing in the land, he says you can enjoy your produce, but also build up families. Look what, how we can truly celebrate when we have a strong family nature in our community. Somebody with me. Because when you have strong family, you have strong houses. And when you have strong houses, you have strong neighborhoods. And we have strong neighbors. Come on, you have strong community. And we have a strong community. The municipality, the police, the firemen, they listen to the people because the people are sown in what's right. But when there's dysfunction, when there's discommunity, who wants to live in dysfunction? That's why people are leaving out the city and coming into the city to buy stuff, but taking it back out. We have our schools suffering, our museums suffering, other community services suffering because people are not investing and putting stuff into it, but yet they'll put it in their own pockets or other things they see important, but we'll talk about the city they live in, but do nothing to help. 
But God is saying to us that we need to invest where we are, plant where we are, dwell where we are, and grow up where we are, and give back into the community and not just steal. Because some people are just stealing what they can for themselves, and once they get rich, they don't want to give back to anybody else. They forget where they come from. They forget how they got there, and they think it's all this. But also, too, catch this, catch this. Also, too, some of us are falling short in our own ways because we listen to the lies of others. They tell you how to think. Tell you how to act. So much so that they influence your dreams. Y'all see that in the text? Because of the diviners, because of the soothsayers, they have made these people think they're dreaming dreams that are going to come, but are not going to come. Let me help you out. As a child, I looked at the TVs and commercials and my, and my peers, and they gave me dreams. These are the dreams that you got. You got dreams of, of how when certain days or holidays would come, how you get all these things under the tree. And so you wait to see all those beautiful things under the tree. And then when the time really comes, you may get a few things. <laughs> but yet it, ruled, it changed my dream. My dream was, oh, I can't wait for, for the next day. I'm going to get all these things. Because why? I had a dream from others telling me that this is what's going to happen. But then when I was let down and had to face reality, mom and dad let me know that I ain't rich like that. And, and so when I listened to the truth, it sobered me for me to realize oh, what I need to face in reality. But when you listen to other people tell you things, it invests upon you and gets in your mind that you start letting that become your dream. And when you chase after false dreams, you're going to get nothing but emptiness. God is saying these false prophets that led these people, watch out somebody, led them to think that your prosperity is going to come quickly. Proverbs says that those who want to get rich quick, quickly come to ruin. I don't have to go long. Just go look up Ponzi schemes and read people's names on it. You're going to find how they got rich quick and they got poor quicker. Went from living in a penthouse and now in the outhouse. Went from everybody knowing their name and liking them, knowing everybody knowing their name. They don't want them to know me. They changed the name, trying to be out, so you know I'm in trouble. We know the name of, of Bernie Madoff, not because he did something good, but because he did something bad. And the countless of stars and celebrities that had the money, because, you know, we didn't have money that he wouldn't mess with us, thank God. But yet there's other people that come and hustle you. Can I get a dollar here, a dollar there, a dollar there? And cash this, cash this. What? We'll give you $10,000 for the rest of your life. Somebody with me. Thinking that, I, okay, I'll keep on putting money here, thinking one day I'll get lucky. But yet when we look at it, God says, I know the plans I have for you. I got a hope. I have a future for you. In the, I got a future for you of a hope. I know how I will provide for you. Stop worrying about what you can do in a short time, but start looking at what God can do in the long term. And so when you see, when we change our perspective, we start building and investing in our community. We start realizing how we can change our future. And then look what he says, seek peace. Seek peace or the welfare. 
the issue that he's trying to point out here that if you want to fight against the enemy, you want to fight against, fight, fight against the kings and all those things he's saying, you want to fight against them, you're going to have war and wars, which coach you're going to get. But if you want peace, seek peace. Let me drive this home. In Romans, Paul says that we ought to seek peace with everyone we meet. Jesus tells us that we should love one another. Jesus shares with us that what difference are we than robbers and crooks who love their enemies? Because, you know, we need to love them too, but we need to be a blessing unto them. Because everybody loves who's nice to them. But we have to learn to love those who are not nice to us, who are not kind to us, who are not generous to us. Watch this, that we ought to bless them and not curse now. Pray for them that persecute us. He's setting this, uh, the parameters for them that if you want to create a community that is good, you got to do it yourself. Some, some people are desperate for a revival, saying what the city is going to do for a revival. The city is trying to plan an awakening revival on August 11th. People say, oh, the city is in need of that. But I'm here to tell somebody that you need to wake up, that if you really want a revival, you need to get down on your knees. Draw a circle around you, and that's where the revival starts. If it's not starting with you, how can you get somebody else excited? If you're not on fire, how can you get somebody else on fire? Heard a pastor say when we went to the revival earlier this year, talking about when you, uh, uh, people are wet wood, nothing going to set them on fire. And so if you wet wood, how can you get on fire? But when you're already on fire for the Lord, it's amazing how you start warming people up. But yet when we are so concerned about ourselves and our immediate satisfaction and our concern of God's truly blessing us in our obedience unto him, we miss out on how we can see transformation happening not only now but in the future. And look, when you want peace in the city, you got to pray for the city. If you're not praying for your community, for your elected officials, for your church, the church, you know, is not this, this address, but the body of Christ. If you're not praying for that, how can you be desperate for some change? Lord, I, I, I want you to change my city, but I, I, I'm not going to vote. I'm not going to serve. I'm not going to invest. I'm not going to do anything, but Lord, I know you can change it. Tell your neighbor, faith without works is dead. This Jesus told the beautiful story about the, 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 the story about the good Samaritan about how we should love our neighbor. And he's pointing out to us that all those who had good intentions, the priest and the Levite, they didn't help the one who was down. They had good intent, but the one who did the work, the one who did the work is the one who showed the love. Tell your neighbor you need to do the work. Because when you do the work and you seek peace and you pray for the city, you start finding peace in yourself. Because you, do you notice how people are rioting and picketing outside over one little vote in Supreme Court justice over laws? But yet, guess what? The world goes on. The earth did not stop rotating. The sun did not fall out of the sky. The stars did not fall out of the sky. The sun did not turn to blood. But yet we stop over little things and get all caught up. But yet if I start looking at my word, of the, my Bible reminds me that God is coming back. 
and he's going to set everything in order. So which minds me to this, to tell me this, that what? Stuff is out of order now. So why get upset? Why get upset when stuff is out of order when I know he's going to come back and set it in order? It's just like this. I don't know about, about, about how, how long you have to wait, but I know when I have to wait sometimes to go see my doctor and I know I'm in pain, I can endure the pain knowing that it's soon going to be over. Got an ache in my tooth. I call the doctor. The doctor say, come into this time. I feel better because I feel in the future. In a time different from the time now that things are going to get better. The doctor tells me to come in at this time. I'm ready to come in at this time. Some of us have to gone through that right when you have to go through some procedure. You got to drink some stuff, take some stuff, fast from some stuff just to get ready to go see the doctor. But you do that stuff in anticipation of how it's going to get better. You look at it, I can endure this for a little while because I know in the, in, the, in the future things are going to get better. And when I know this, I don't get deceived by the enemy because you know there's some naysayers out there trying to tell you how it's not going to get better, that this must be hell. And I tell you, well, this is hell. I'm glad I'm in this and not what the Bible said. Because this place lets me know that if I'm here in the land of the living, my psalm said it's good to be in the land of the living. So if you call this hell, I'm glad I know Jesus. Because I know times is rough now, but it's only going to get worse. But those who know Jesus tell you, neighbor, it's going to get better. Why is it going to get better? Let's draw the parallel. He says, I will visit you. Ha <laughs> ha. That means I know where you are. I see where you are. I have not lost in contact with you. I just put you here for a temporary part. But in a permanent residence, I'm preparing to bring it back to you. So I put you here for a little while so that you can just understand how good I am. Be prosperous right now. I'm going to bless you. That's your multiplying. That's your increase. And I'm going to take you to the land that is yours. I want to highlight here that both of these situations that God is doing for them is by his choice. He chose to put them in exile as he's going to choose to put them in the promised land. What I like about this is that he knows what's best when he makes the choices. How, how can I question the one who needs no counsel? How can I tell God what to do when he's all-knowing? So therefore, I just sit back and say, God, do what you're going to do. If you can trust a pilot on a plane that has really no control of that plane, and he tells you it's going to be a bumpy ride, it's going to be a little bit of turbulence, and you can say, well, I trust the pilot. He's going to get me through the storm. Can you not trust God? Just say, just hold on just a little bit while I will get you through the storm. He says, you will call on me, I will answer. <laughs> you will seek after me with your whole heart. And Cassius, Cassius, when we seek you with our whole hearts, then our prayers will no longer be blocked. Chronicle tells us what? If my people who are called by my name humble themselves, repent, turn from their wicked ways, then I'll hear from them. Y'all catch that? 
if the clause points out that when I remove all of the stuff that has been blocking me from being in contact with God, it opens up my line of my communication to see all the blessings, all the grace, all the mercy that God has for me. When I remove the lies of the enemy, the false prophecies, the get-rich-quick schemes, and hear that God is my provider, he knows what's best for me, I can just sit back and say, Lord, I can endure a little bit longer. And God promised him, says, shows us that he, when we seek him, we will find him. He will turn us away from captivity, and he will gather us, and he will restore us as he drove us away. Can I drive this home while I'm bringing it to the New Testament time? Talk about our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Uh, Jesus himself came down to earth because we were in captivity. We were in bondage of sin. But I can see Jesus telling us, just as God told Jeremiah in this letter, I know my plans I have for you. <laughs> I, I know this road will be hard and be rough. Come on here, Peter, 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 I'm trying to warn you. Devil trying to get at you. But I pray for you so that when you, when you do fall short, because I know what's going to happen, that you repent and you restore your brothers and come after me. Uh, once Peter went through that process, Jesus felt good about Peter, cooked him some breakfast. And let him know, do you love me? Peter says it three times. Yes, I love you. He tells him to feed my sheep. And then he goes on to tell Peter, you're going to feed my sheep, but yet you're going to die a, a bad death. Showing to us that, yes, I can serve him, but it does not mean that everything's going to be roses in the rest of my life. Come here, Paul. Paul, uh, I, I, I'm going to send you out to Macedonia. You're going to be in chains and be locked up. You're going to be dragged out sometimes and hit with stones. But Paul still got up went back to that same city. You're going to get shipwrecked, Paul, but yeah, you're going to trust me all the way to the shore. You're going to get to the peaceful shore and you everybody's safe, but you're going to get bit by a viper, but you'll be able to shake it loose. What is shown is that no matter the turmoil, the struggles that we are facing, tell your neighbor, my God can bring me through. Because he knows the plans for us. I don't know how everything's going to end, but he does. So that's why I'm just going to serve him while I can. Give him all I have. And realize that during these trying times, I can serve him. During these trying times, I can celebrate because while I'm not celebrating my condition, because I don't care about my condition, because my condition is not my eternal destination. My condition now, my body is dying. My condition now, the world is dying. My condition now, my body's in groaning, aches and pains, desperate to have a new body. So therefore, I, it's hard some days. Am I right about it? It's a hard some days to be, be overly excited, how you feel when you wake up. You got little aches and pains here, aches and pains. But yet you're able to get up and rejoice in the Lord in the midst of these pains, in the midst of these troubles, knowing that there's a promise there'll be no more pain, there'll be no more sickness, there'll be no more death. You'll be forever in heaven, forever in glory. So you said, Lord, I can put up with this because uh, I, I know what pain feels like, but pretty soon. I'll know what no pain feels like. But here's one thing you can, you, can, you can remove from experiencing now. You don't have to experience death. 
you don't have to experience it. How is that? Because Jesus says that whoever believes in me shall not perish but have everlasting life. He says, whoever believes in me says, I am the life and the rest. Whoever believes in me, though they may die, yet they shall live. And so what we realize is that no matter my condition in this place, this is not my home. So, Lord, I'm going to do what you tell me to do while I'm in my temporary residence. I'm going to be fruitful and multiply. I'm going to obey your commands. I'm going to do all that you ask me to do as I'm waiting for you to come back and to restore the order that you want. So when the 4th of July comes and we can celebrate our independence, we celebrate what happened in the past for the 4th of July. I'll say that one more time. I got a few people. We celebrate what happened in the past for the 4th of July. And so why can't we, every time we wake up, no matter the conditions that's happening in our lives, celebrate the past? And as I look back to see what God has done for me in the past, I can look forward and say he can do the same if he's the same God yesterday, I could look to tomorrow and say he'll be the same. So I realized that no matter the troubles, the heartaches, the pain, the tribulation that I'm going through, the lies of the enemy, I can realize that I can look to the hills from which cometh my help. I can look up to the one who knows his thoughts, his plans for me, a plan of hope, of peace, and not of peril, not of wickedness, and that he's going to work it out for my good. And that's why we can wake up every morning and praise him for what he has done. He, he, he watched over us on that night. Amen. Don't you thank him for the Lord for watching over us? And then we can praise him for what he's about to do. Because he's coming back again. And he's looking for his beautiful bride. And he's looking for a bride without a, without a spot, without a wrinkle, without a blemish. And the only way we can have that, have that pureness of our heart is for us to surrender to him. And when we surrender to him, we seek his will. And when we seek his will, we seek his face, we listen to his word. And not to the faults and the lies of the enemy. We seek the word of God and trust the word of God. And, I, and I'm glad about this, that God makes sure his truth is clear. And when we know his truth, we can live by his truth, walk by his truth, and see that it revives us, it refreshes us, it restores us. And realize that, Lord, that I know that the plans you have for me are better than what the government has for me. Anybody has for me, because why? He knows what's best for me. And so I can celebrate in trying times, because my God is able to provide for me, to rescue me, and save me. May we bow our heads and close our eyes. Lord, we come. Thank you, O oh God, that you are the awesome God. That, Lord, you have brought us this far by faith. And that, Lord, we cannot make it without you. And so, Lord, we are forever depending on you. And we thank you, God, that you never left us, nor forsaken us. That you are a God of love and mercy and that you look down upon us and you hear us as we cry out unto you. And Lord, we ask right now for your guidance and your direction in our lives. 
that, Father, we will build healthy homes, we'll build healthy marriages, healthy relations with our children, that we'll build a healthy community, oh God, by just trusting you in your word. Now, Lord, we lift up those who are far from you, oh God, who fallen for the lies of the enemy, that their hearts will be turned back towards you. And God, realize that you know what's best. And may you be their hope, their all in all, as you are our joy, as you are our hope, as you are our all in all. Still with every head bowed, every eyes closed, there might be someone here who does not know Jesus. As their Lord and Savior, you have not been baptized and given your life to Christ. We want to give this time to you. If that's you, just raise your hand. Every eye closed, hand up. God bless you. God bless you. I see you. I see you. Just want to pray with you. God knows your heart. Lord, I pray right now, Father Lord, that you forgive us of our sins. We do believe that you died on the cross and rose from the grave with all power in your hand. And Lord, we invite you to come into our heart and be our personal Lord and Savior. Lord, I thank you for forgiving me. I thank you, Lord, for saving me. In Jesus' name, Lord, we pray. Amen. May we stand us in the hand of disciples.